0: All right, we'll get started. Sorry to so rudely interrupt everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Just kind of give you uh, the logistics. There's a couple more uh, weeks left before the discipleship class ends up um, ending. So I think there's uh, two, maybe three. I didn't look at the calendar before I came in. But two for sure, possibly, uh, possibly three uh, before uh, we're all done with the class. Hopefully you even um, enjoyed it. Uh, this is one of the classes that I actually, the passion I have more than anything is on this subject, um, meet with God. Uh, and the reason why it's such a, a passionate subject for me is because, is that uh, we can do everything except meet with God. We can do all the spiritual activity, but in the process of doing all the spiritual activity, we can put God on the shelf. Well, what happens when we do that is that then religion, religion is boring. Religion is not alive. Religion is dead. Religion doesn't i just say it doesn't even offer anything because the source of religion offers God and that's, that's it. You know, I've read this quote many, many times from A.W. Tozer. He says, I'm not interested in being part of the old maids um, club. I'm not interested in part of being this, of part of this society or that society being a part of this group or being a part of this group. Uh, I, when it comes to religion, I don't want to be interested in these kind of things When it comes to religion, I want God and nothing else. And if you don't give me God, then I'll just go find something else to be a part of, rather than Christianity. Christianity is about God, and that's why we do all these activities. We're going to say meet with God through worship. Um, Just want to ask you the question. Ask us the question: Is what heals you? Uh, What comforts you? What frees you? What strengthens you? What makes you happy? What drives you? What controls you? Just ask those questions. And in your mind, we can think of, what is the item that does that? What is the item that carries that much power to heal me when I need to be healed, that much power to drive me when I need to be driven, that much power to love me when I need to feel love? Uh, I want to convince you that, it's worship. That's it. That is the item that does it. Heals you, comforts you, frees you, strengthens you, drives you, controls you, makes you happy. Worship is it. Number one in our notes. We have been created too big to be satisfied with normal. We need more. We live in a world where we need a bigger one. Bigger house. We need a a a, a, a bigger car. Mean we need larger, larger toys. We live in a world where we've got to have a bigger job. You know, you gotta get you gotta get the promotion. We need to live in a world where we need a bigger position than the one we have in. We're not satisfied until we get a hold of the ultimate and we exist to try to grab a hold of the ultimate because that's what we hunger for. We want the ultimate. So we'll do anything in our power to find this ultimate in our life. According to Scripture, the ultimate that you're searching for is God. The ultimate you're searching for is God. That's why we have the drive. That's why we have the push, to be the best, the greatest athlete, to be the strongest, to have the biggest house, to have the big. because you're starving for something bigger than you are. You're starving for something bigger than you are and you've got to have a hold of that ultimate. That hunger is a hunger that's built inside of us, and it's created for God. Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brothers, in the mer- by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You see three different words, present, living, sacrifice. I'm going to present myself, I'm going to be this living person who will sacrifice for this item my goodness, think about what we can do. That's who we are. That's like, the, that's, like the, that's like the guts of ourselves. What do I do? I present myself to money, living, and I will sacrifice everything I can for it. We'll lay down our lives for it. We'll lay down our marriage for it. We'll lay down even our happiness for it, even though if we get it, it can make us happy. We'll lay down our children for it. I've got to raise children. But, oh my goodness, you've got to have money. It's the one that's on the top. Job. I'll lay down my relationship with my wife for this job. I'll lay down the relationship on this for my husband because of this job. Sex. I will lay down the relationship and the purity that I have with my mate because there's just a drive that I want it more, so I will seek it elsewhere besides my mate in regards to computer, regards to TV, regards to the culture that offers the sex See, this, these words, these present, living, sacrifice for is coming out of us. And it's aggressively coming out of us. And some of the things that we are embracing to fill that cup up is some of the most addictive things you can possibly ever have in regards to alcoholism. Oh, i, 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 I got to get the ultimate. Oh, my goodness, it does something to me. Drugs i got to get the ultimate. Oh my goodness, I've never felt so much at peace with myself when I'm smoking marijuana. I've got to get the ultimate. Oh, marijuana doesn't work anymore. Maybe I need to go to something else. And all of a sudden we are throwing our entire lives away. Why? Because you're looking for the ultimate that you're hungry for. you got to have something bigger than this world. It has to be something bigger than this world. And drugs will take you out of this world. Sex will take you out of this world. Money will take you. On top of this world, it it just takes you from where you are to something else. So these words, living, these words, present, living, and sacrifice are driving us. C.S. Lewis says this, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So when we're looking for this ultimate, we're grabbing a hold of these things and then we're pleased with them. Of course it destroys us. But we're, we're, we're pleased. We're pleased with the taste of it. We're pleased with the flavor of you know, commit suicide more than anybody else. Person person has all the money in the world. <laughs> you get to the top of the ladder, and the top doesn't give it to them. You taste it, 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 you t- get to the top of the ladder, and then at the top, I've got all the money in the world. It just does not do it for me. I'm looking for the ultimate, and I've never found the ultimate. Why? Because we're so easily pleased with the taste of it as we're climbing to the top of it. John Piper says, the enemy of worship is not that our desire for pleasure is too strong. It's too weak. We have settled for a home, a family, a few friends, a job, a television, a microwave oven, and occasionally a night out and yearly vacation, and perhaps a new personal computer. We have accustomed ourselves to such meagre. Short-lived pleasures, their capacity for joy is shriveled. And so our worship has been shriveled. Number two, worship is the act of pledging your allegiance to that ultimate. What is the ultimate? Is it yourself? Is it, is, is, is it your looks? You pledge your allegiance my emotions, I pledge my mind, I pledge my thoughts, I, I pledge everything to my ultimate, and I gotta look some certain way. As a result, I'll be in the gym and I will do everything I can in the gym in the morning and also in the afternoon, and then before I get home from work, I gotta do it here. Why? Because my ultimate that is driving me is is the way that I look. Is it your mission? My job, i got to pledge allegiance to my job, pledge allegiance to my home, pledge allegiance to my education. You pledge allegiance to your ultimate because you want to get something bigger than you are. Your love, if I had a relationship, I'd be everything. If I didn't have a relationship, I'm nothing. Is it your uh, vacations? Is it your hobbies? We're trying to find something bigger than we are, and we're giving ourselves away to the something that we think is bigger than, than you are. Is it our sin? Is it addictions? Is it obsessions? Is it evil ambitions? We are hungry for this ultimate and we are selling ourselves for this ultimate on whatever we define as our ultimate. But be careful. Number three, worship comes from an old English word, worth shape, to be shaped by the worth of something. So as we're selling ourselves to this ultimate, this one thing. I'm saying it's not God. I'm keeping, that on the, I'm keeping that on the back burner. As we're selling ourselves to this one thing, little do we know that we are being shaped, driven, pushed. We're putting all our stock in. We're molding to. We're being made from this thing that is driving us. Psalms 115, 4-8 says, Their idols are silver and gold. The work of man's hands. They have mouths but they cannot speak. They have eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. They have noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but they cannot feel. They have feet but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. Those who make them and those who trust them will become like them. They have eyes, but they don't see ears. They don't hear smell, but they, there's no thing that goes to your senses. You just turn into a solid rock of anger. And we see that. We see that with people that sell out to something in their spirit completely shriveled because they're worshiping something rather than God. Number A, four. God designed us for the purpose of pledging our allegiance, which is worship. That's what it means to God. You know, God is the the only one. God is the only one, and I'll even say the only thing. You know, because we sell ourselves the thing as well. He's the only item. He is the only being. He is the only one. That if you sell yourself to, that you pledge allegiance to, that if you sacrifice for, that if you live for, it will make you and not break you. If you give everything to him, it will make you and not break. If you worship him, it will make you and not break you. And he's the only one that does that. Give your entire self away to money. Guaranteed it'll break every part of you break your emotions, break your happiness, break your relationships, break your family structures, they'll break your children because what are they gonna do? They're gonna do the same thing after they're all done. You sell yourself to uh, your job. What's it gonna do? It's gonna break you. You sell yourself to your job. You can't manage your job and your relationship. If you even sell yourself to your family and say, this is all I am as a family, you will not love your family the way your family needs to be loved if you don't love God first to love your family. So what happens is going to the source of God and making him your ultimate turns around and creates everything that you've ever desired, that you've ever wanted in the world. Because you embrace the ultimate that provides life to you and the people that are around. What we can do is we can pledge our allegiance to even religion rather than God. We can pledge our allegiance to behavior in Christianity rather than God. We can pledge our allegiance into blessings more so than God. We can pledge our allegiance into ministry more so than God. It seems like we can even read the Bible and even leave God out of the Bible. Joe Aldridge says this Sunday morning is conceived as a means to accomplish something other than worship. We worship to raise money, we worship to attract crowds, we worship to heal human hurts, to recruit workers, to improve church morale. To give talented musicians an opportunity to fulfill their calling, to teach our children the way of righteousness, to help marriages stay together, to evangelize the lost, to motivate people for service projects, to give our churches a family feeling, genuine affections for God are an end to themselves, and that's the only reason we worship. We worship for God. I lay down my life for you. Number five. God is the key that unlocks a treasure chest. God is, or God is not the key that unlocks a treasure chest. God is the treasure chest. God is this item. He's the ultimate. But when we think of God as the ultimate, we say, Well, God, you're the one that can give me the ultimate. <laughs> it's how we mess up in Christianity. God is all-powerful. God is all-strong. God, God answers prayer. God has all the resources. I can have the ultimate if I go to God and ask for it and he'll give me my ultimate. Masses us up. How does it mess us up? It's because he is the ultimate. <laughs> he is the ultimate. So when you worship, you're doing it for no other reason but just to get to know your Savior more and more. He is the source of happiness. He's not going to give you happiness. He is the source of peace. He's not going to give you peace. He is the source of wealth. He's not just going to give you wealth. He is the source of comfort. He's not just going to give you comfort. Because when he does that, if we look at Paul, Paul is going through the most horrific situations in his entire life. These disciples and apostles were being martyred. But they were still okay. Because they had the ultimate, even when their entire situation did not say, said that they had nothing. Number six, God is not stepping stone to get happiness, to to great happiness. God is your source of happiness. Don't take God out of the picture. If you want happiness, don't ask for happiness. Ask for more of God. (laughs) Because when you get more of God, he is the source of happiness that comes. John Piper is, uh, wrote a book called "The Pleasures of the Pleasures of God," and it's all about Christian hedonism. And when you, when you look at that word, it's, it's what that word is is the 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 pleasures you absorb yourself in, the pleasures that you absorb yourself in. And the point of the book was to say, absorb yourselves in the pleasures of God. And what are the what are the pleasures of God? The pleasures of God is giving his son for you. Absorb yourselves in those pleasures. See exactly what he's... The pleasures of God is saving you. That's the pleasures of God. Absorb yourselves in those things. That's when the gospel starts to come out of our mouth. Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourselves in the Lord... And he will give you, delighting yourselves in the Lord, you're going to get the desires of your heart by doing that source. Number seven, God, does not, God is not a tool to get something great. God is the something great that you're starving for. To enrich a soul, you have to have something bigger than the soul. If you look through the word of God, um, the soul is the most valuable thing on the planet. Um, we see in Matthew uh, 16, uh, um, uh, 16, Matthew 16, 25 through 24. If anyone must come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Whoever keeps his life for himself will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it again. What profit is again the whole world and forfeit your soul? What can be compared to the value of your soul? What is that verse saying? What the verse is saying is, your soul is more valuable than the world. <laughs> you take the whole world and it does not care to the, compare to the value of your soul. If you have everything, but you don't have your soul, you have nothing. If you have your soul and you have nothing, then you have everything. He's valuing your soul. So what we have to do as individuals, we have to embrace something bigger than our soul. We have to if we're going to find happiness. And our soul carries a lot of value. Find it. What is it? What is the one thing that we can embrace that's bigger than our soul? It's not the money. It's not the power. It's not the prestige. It's not the sex. It's not the, the drugs. It's, not, it's none of the world offers. The only way we'll find satisfaction is embrace something bigger. And that one thing that is bigger is again God. Psalm sixteen five says, The Lord is my portion of my inheritance. This is David speaking. Lord, is the portion, is the portion of my inheritance. I mean, you are my inheritance. I heard one comment, is, and I've, I've said this uh, numerous times, is that if you go to heaven with the streets of gold, you go to heaven with the mansions that are proclaimed there, you go to heaven with the beauty, you go to heaven with the wealth, you go to heaven with all heaven offers, and God is not there then it's hell. If you go to hell and all the fire, you go to hell and all the, the, the sickness that takes place, but God is there, then it's, then, it's, then it's heaven. See, the richness we have is in our relationship with God. We know that because we all starve for, for a relationship. And in regards to relationship, if I have a relationship, I can have something. If I don't have a relationship, I don't have anything. If you have money without relationship, it's nothing more than a curse. If you have a home without relationship, then it's difficult. We need relationships in our life. What about relationships with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Almighty? That's the source that the Bible is offering us. Charles Spurgeon says, It is a bad sign for a child to love his father because he gives him meat and drink and clothes and will leave him an inheritance and not to love the very person of the Father. All right, God is not a spring of living water to drink from, God is the living water. Psalm 63, one. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Not seeking for water, if you look at that passage. He's seeking for God. Because if he gets God, he gets water. Henry Blackley says, If you find that Christianity exhausts you, draining you of your energy, then you're practicing a religion than enjoying a relationship. Jesus said that a relationship with him would bring rest to your soul. Your walk with the Lord will not make you weary it will invigorate you, restore your strength, and energize your life. Yes, we're going to go through mountains. Yes, we're going to go through valleys. But it's all about this relationship with the Lord. My wife and I, we go through mountains and we go through valleys. You know, I can look back at our life. We go through mountains and we go through valleys where things are going really good. And then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, things are going tough. And then things are going okay. Then things are getting even tougher. Then things are doing really, really good. And, they, and this is how we walk through life. When we look back, and we have one daughter, you know, that's getting married, and we have another daughter that has the first year of college done, and and, uh, and this is called the glory days. I mean, that's we're kind of moving towards the glory. We're not to the glory days yet because we're still paying for college you know that's kind of what you do after you know get through those those days and but we're moving towards the glory but when you look back and you see the relationship grow as a result of this as a result of going up a result of going down or a result of being apart or a result of being together as a result of, of the fluctuation of what's going on in life you see a richness take place and we look at each other and say, thank you god For the trials that brought us close together. (laughs) And we say, thank you God for the children that brought us close together. When I say that, it doesn't mean that the children were just wonderful all the time and behaved perfect and offered so much and brought us so close in the process. No, it's Thank you, God, for the children. Boy, they were hard to raise. It's, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work raising children. Oh, there's times we pulled apart. That, I mean, I remember when our kids would scream in the middle of the night. My wife and I would have to make a deal with each other that whatever we said in the middle of the night, we could not hold against each other in the morning because we were so exhausted. And the baby started screaming. It's like, why? It's your turn. No, it's not. I did it before. You know, It's just, it's tough. But the relationship, rich, and it grows rich through this tough time. The reason why people throw away Christianity is because they don't even focus on the relationship. Having a tough time, they start doing evaluation. God's not doing it for me. Check him out. There's Nothing to do with the, the relationship that does it for you. It's what God is doing for me. I'm his master. I tell him how to do it, what to do. That's how we We function. No, it's that richness of relationship that keeps religion alive. Worship is the source that brings it. Number nine, here's our challenge. Worship God in spirit and in truth. What takes place is you want to be closer to God. You want to meet with God through worship. How do you meet with God through worship? The challenge would be worship in spirit and truth. Let me read read the passage and then we'll work through it. John four nineteen twenty six 26 says this sir the woman said I can see that you are a prophet I'm sorry I should bring this up this is a Samaritan woman that's that's come to get water from the well and Jesus was standing by the well. And the Samaritans and, and Jews, they don't talk to each other. There's a conflict that takes place. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of dirt in the background. So they're not supposed to be talking to each other. And also, you know, men and women, one man, one woman, they're not really supposed to have that kind of relationship, a talking relationship as well. You just get water and you go home. Jesus is there. This woman comes to the well to, um, to draw water. And, uh, and Jesus speaks up, uh, brings up a conversation. And he says that if you receive me, you could have living water and you'll never thirst again. And she looks at him and says, what do you mean you have living water and and never thirst again? It's like, believe in me. And this is the conversation that's taking place. This is what the conversation is happening. Because in the process of this conversation, he explains to her that, you know, yeah, you're not married. You have five wives. And she's like... Whoa, you first say that you're the living water, and now you're reading into my life. And she looks back and says, you are a prophet. And then God gives, Jesus gives her instructions, and it starts in 19. Sir, the woman said, I see that you're a prophet. I can't believe that you saw my life. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. The you Jews claim that this place where we must worship in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has not come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Now if you look at this passage, and I think it's in your notes, if you look at this passage, what's this passage about? The passage is about location, if you think about it. It's the location of where you worship. I mean, we see it in verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But the Jews claim that you place to worship is in Jerusalem. I worship here, you worship here. We've got to find this location if we're going to worship. This is coming from the temple and even the tabernacle, the spot to worship. You worship on this mountain, the Jews worship in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jesus says, the time is coming, you will worship the Father, not on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. These two locations that you worship, there's not going to be those locations. There's going to be a whole different location, is what this verse is saying. And what is the location that Jesus takes us to? The location he takes us to is spirit and truth. You're now going to worship in this location. What is spirit? Spirit's the deepest part of us. You're gonna start worshiping in this location. Spirit is the deepest part of us. What is truth? Truth is the way it is. <laughs> truth is the way it is. Pick up this word again. This is truth. You take the part of of you and you take the great part of him and that's where you worship that's the new location so this is what it looks like what does your spirit say i mean be really really honest because if you're really really honest what happens is my life is out of control <laughs> i'm just gonna be honest my life is out of that's what your spirit says what does truth say truth says, God says your life is in his hands. Oh, see my spirit, the deepest part of me, says I am afraid. The truth says, fear me and you have nothing to be afraid of. Oh, you're taking yourself and you're giving it to the fact for the purpose of healing, for the purpose of being made, for the purpose of, of comfort. For the purpose of wiping out your guilt. Here's what my spirit says. I cannot measure out. Here's what the truth says. God says you don't need to measure up. He measured up. (laughs) And he saved you. (laughs) You don't need to measure up. I measured up. I am perfect. If you were going to be measured up. Do you know what you have to be? Is you have to be perfect. Nobody is except Jesus Christ. See, that's, that's truth. All of a sudden, we're starting to find this life as we're worshiping because we're pulling this spirit. This is our location. We're pulling it out, and we're giving it to the Lord, and then the truth comes right back at us. I feel worthless. God says, according to his word, I bought you with the blood. <laughs> You're worth a lot more than you think. What's a drop of God's blood worth? And think about that. This is God's blood, the value of a human being. Here we are. Ah, oh, I'm worthless. I can't do anything. It's like well, you, you, you're not worshiping. You're not. You're just running your spirit. Your spirit's running all over the place. But when you start connecting your spirit and truth, things are going to come alive. I feel unlovable. Many people's spirit says, "God says you're an idiot." I died for you. I'm <laughs> sorry, just to say it. I mean, that's that's what truth says. I feel unlovable. I left heaven and I died for you. So as we are worshiping in our spirit, our spirit is coming out and then all of a sudden truth is starting to touch it. I don't have enough faith. Spirit often says that. God says, am I controlled by your faith? Or am I controlled by my desires? I can give you faith, more faith. When our spirit comes out, we're asking for it. But I have messed up. How many people have said that? I can't go to church. I've messed up. I can't. I can't find Jesus because I messed up. Well, you, what you're doing is you're worshiping here. I mean, because this is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out. But when you take the thing that's coming out and you worship in the truth, I messed up. You're not. You're saved according to the truth. See how you're coming out, and when you come out, and then gets connected. Inside this word, inside this truth, I am disqualified. God says, Those are the people I like to use. (laughs) I mean, that's just, that's what the truth says. Everybody is disqualified in the word. I mean, everybody. I mean, King David, you know, he he completely disqualified in regards to status. I mean, he, he slept with somebody else's wife and killed the husband. I mean, that was just. There's just disqualifications that take place that every single possible was disqualified. You should not be, but God is qualified and God is working through people to make his mission go along. I'm a fraud. God says, of course you are. We're all frauds. But he's patient. That's what the truth says. That's exactly what the truth says. So when we start evaluating ourselves, it starts to come up. If people knew who I, what I have done, They'd reject me. What does the truth say? truth says God knows what you've done and he hasn't rejected you. See, this is where we find our life is we find our life in your worship, in the spirit and in truth. Number 10, worship with the best part of you, which is your spirit. It's the best part of you, the best part of him. Challenge is let your guilt, which is your spirit, Touch his grace, which is truth. Let your shame, which is your spirit, that's what comes up in us. It's just the way it is. Hold on to forgiveness. That is truth. Let your hurt, which is your spirit, embrace his peace, which is truth. Let your oppression, that's your spirit, that's who you are, meditate on his hope. That's truth. Let your anger, that's your spirit, that's who you are, observe the cross, which is truth. Let your loneliness, your spirit, come into the surface. Hold on to his love, which is truth. Let your depression, spirit, view his heaven, which is truth. Let your joy feed on his freedom. Let your excitement celebrate his glory. Let your passion sing of his wonder. Let your energy rejoice in his strength. That's how you worship spirit and truth, connecting with him. Take the best part of you. Touch it to the best part of him. It's interesting when we talk about worship. Song is is always there. <laughs> you know, song is always there, and in uh, song is such a huge piece of worship. It is a huge piece of worship. And why is song such a huge piece of piece of worship? The reason why song is a huge piece of worship, which every single culture on the entire planet has song. There's not a culture, there's not a tribe out there that doesn't do music. Every does. The reason why it carries so much power is because it's emotional. <laughs> you come out and the words come back. Spirit and truth as we worship. So when we're walking in and singing, what are we doing? We're coming out and he's coming at us. This is the greatest place of comfort in the world. Worship is greatest p- source of healing on the planet. Worship is the greatest source of happiness. I'm not the ultimate, but I'm listening and singing about the ultimate. And all of a sudden, they're coming together. Worship carries a power that is underestimated. And it is one of the sources, major sources, that we do to, worship, or to, um, uh, to meet God and to be with God.